0: hey the world's full of fantastic music each month we explore an album of significance its roots how it makes us feel and then banter about its influence and staying power join us on our journey as we dissect discuss and discover some of the world's greatest albums on the sonic collective
1: hello everyone out there listening it's your friends at the sonic collective i'm scott g joined as always by my fellow members alan darren and scott c this month Scott and Darren also had an opportunity to record an interview with a musical icon from Canada. Uh, Do you want to tell us a little bit about it, Scott?
2: Yeah, thank you, Scott G. We were delighted to have a chat with Sam Roberts. We got 30 minutes with him and that was super cool of him to give us our time. And we talked about a variety of stuff from how he feels about having been recording professionally for at least 18 years to what it's been like being a parent in COVID times, some of his musical guilty pleasures And also all about the new album and kind of the deeper meaning behind it. And I think we had a really kind of rich conversation. I've listened to it many times. And it's not just the standard kind of music questions. I think he shared really openly with us. And it was a lot of fun. And I think listeners will really enjoy listening to it. So just go to our site, thesoniccollective.com, and you'll find it at chat with Sam
1: Roberts. So thanks in advance for listening, everyone. Yeah, and check out the album too. I gave it a couple of listens and uh, there's a lot of fresh sound from him on there, but still, you know, like that signature Sam Roberts guitar on there as well too. So really enjoyed that. So yeah, into the pick. My pick for November 2020 wraps up the double album themed round and I decided to go way out of my comfort zone with M83's 2011 album Hurry Up We're dreaming. Uh, I'm no stranger to synth pop, but I usually don't stray too far from the 80s or 90s, uh, where it's likely more pop than synth in a lot of cases. But M83's ambient sound was a whole new beast for me. Uh, But as usual, I'm going to leave my thoughts there until I hear what the rest of the collective thought of it, too. So I'm going to throw it over to Darren to see what his experience this month was like.
0: Yeah, sure. I'll start it off. I have to say, when you picked this band, ME3, I I actually had no idea who that was. You had mentioned it was somebody obscure from France, potentially, maybe not obscure, but different. And it's good because we haven't really explored much, I guess, pop or synth pop, especially I found it interesting. Uh, Right away when I started listening to it, I I realized Midnight City, and everybody on here will have recognized that song. It was a big hit in 2011, 2012. Very popular, a ton of radio play on the pop charts and kind of synth and I think EDM charts as well. But um, I didn't realize that it was part of this big album so i gotta admit when i i listened to it the first time i was a bit high the first time and i actually like yeah i really like this i only got like four or five songs through and it got through midnight city and i was like this is the best and i think i text you scott i'm like yeah this is great (laughs) and then i gotta admit i listened to it again and then i was like i don't get this this is I, i don't know if i like it and then i listened to it again and it, was, and it was like a roller coaster for me a little bit but i gotta say it grew on me and i i'd leave it a few days and i go back and listen again and it kept growing on me um i think uh, being i always allude to that i grew up in the 80s being the older guy but um I like it. It does have kind of an 80s vibe. That sound is actually kind of coming back now. You hear it in a lot of pop songs and things like that. Uh, mind you, this is going back to 2011 when this album came out. But um, anyway, I thought it was very interesting because you, you ha- I think when I realized, yes, this is an experience. It's not even just a double album. It's really like um, they even uh, he explains it's about kind of being in a dreamlike state and flowing through one dream to the next. and it's this whole uh, immersive experience. and in his background, and sorry, Anthony Gonzalez is kind of the creative genius behind this. There's obviously more members in the band. but um and his genius is, he just kind of uh, did a lot of soundtracks and things like that when he was getting into the industry. So he had that kind of vibe. So I think he, he was already maybe a bit of a natural storyteller, and uh, and that's what this album is like. You can literally just sit back and visualize an entire movie or kind of make one up in your head. Um, yeah, so I, I found that really interesting. So um, it took me a while to get there, but I actually ended up kind of really liking it. It's definitely, you know, it's a very visual kind of uh, ambient synth pop shoegaze. It gets kind of called sometimes, you know, uh, you know, sometimes these crowds, especially the EDM and stuff. And I'm going to say younger. I'm I just turned 51 a few days ago, but uh, younger crowds uh, and people will probably have been more uh, knowledgeable about MA3. But I, I really didn't know that much. Um, I read a cool article on Pitchfork, maybe some of you did as well, saying that apparently he he was more of a studio because, you know, big into production and soundtracks. But uh, he started to get popular after his first few albums and ended up touring with Depeche Mode and other bands. And apparently they taught him a lot about stage presence and how to kind of, uh, you know, really cast your vocals and be a performer. And apparently that happened right up before this album so that gave him a lot of courage to sing and uh, this in this album he's really noted for uh, improving his vocal ability a lot so i found that really interesting anyway i'm kind of rambling on a bit we can come back to me and i'll hit a m- few more points but what about alan what do you think man hey you're a bit younger maybe you uh, knew this more than
3: I yeah know. um i feel like you kind of stole my show notes here because you said everything <laughs> i was about to say sorry <laughs> i knew m83 because uh midnight city was just all over the uh the airwaves at the time and i still catch it on the radio sometimes it was also featured in mm. grand theft auto 5 soundtrack and i played that game mm. so much i think i yeah. wore a hole through the cd <laughs> every time i listened to midnight city my neighbors also listened to midnight city like it's it's weird it's mm. one of my favorite songs in the last i don't know decade and yet i never really bothered to dive in too deep to m83's discography so Scott thank you for picking this uh, because it kind of forced me to do that with a critical lens. I remember when Midnight City came out, I loved that song and I went and actually listened through this album. <laughs> I mean, I did I did it once and never returned, so it didn't really resonate with me at the time, but you know, to Darren's point, the whole aesthetic of I don't even synthwave, retro futurism, whatever you want to call it, that's kind of making a comeback in the popular lexicon. And so listening to it again and listening to the album as a cohesive piece, kind of like, like Darren said, you know, you close your eyes and you can actually visualize what perhaps uh, Anthony Gonzalez was kind of thinking about when he recorded this album. I mean, I, I close my eyes and I think of the art of James White, AKA, AKA Signal Noise, who's a fantastic artist. You should check him out. But it's just this like, 80s inspired like neon supercars like lamborghinis flying down the freeway i close my eyes and i picture that when i listen to this entire album it was really weird because like you said darren sometimes you listen to it and you were you were for sure you were on board with the vision and it was awesome and then other times it's just kind of not not right and i think you can attribute that sonically to the fact that the songs kind of vary a lot like there was one song where he had like a little kid reciting a story which was kind of weird not <laughs> I like all, that. Man. yeah i mean it was interesting not all the songs sounded like midnight city though and that was kind of what i anchored my expectations to so um
1: mm-hmm.
3: yeah i mean it it was it was really interesting at one point i tried using this as a sleep aid to help me fall asleep and it worked yeah and other times i would be listening to it while i was working on like a really difficult project at work, and uh, just kind of cruising away, bobbing my head to it. I just love, he's like painting with layers of sound and the reverb is so high. Mm -hmm. And I gotta say, Midnight City has one of the best saxophones in uh, music history, next to Baker Street and Careless Whisper. I'll go on record as saying that. (laughs) i love it
0: uh, i love it you know that that's a good point they actually brought that up that it was a weird call but uh that it fits so well in that
3: song and it just
0: noted as a real masterful piece of uh for sure it was it
3: was brilliant i think that still that track is still going to be the standout album or at the track it's still going to be the standout track of the album there were only a couple other songs that really hit me in a way that i think would make it to my permanent playlist but you know i I'm really glad we listened to this album because it was just such a fascinating exploration and it took me on a ride. Yeah, anyway, I'm rambling and I could ramble for a month if you let me. Uh, Scott Coates, what did you think?
2: It's interesting that you said you pictured Lamborghinis and supercars and stuff because I envisioned Ryan Gosling driving a car with fluorescent lights at nighttime all around. And I'd never heard Midnight City. I'd never (laughs) knowingly heard anything by M83. Oh, really? No, before this. But part of me thinks now, having read up on it a bit, that the reason I picture Ryan Gosling in a car is maybe it was in a movie. And what was also interesting is the whole time I listened to it the first few times, I could imagine every song being in a a movie or in a TV show, or it was atmospheric. I'm like, man, this is just like built for being a movie soundtrack. And then I read online that he said he wanted to write an album that sounded like it could be a movie soundtrack, right? For an imaginary movie with different ambiences, different atmospheres, different tempos and orchestrations. And I was like, okay, now I feel smart about music. Cause that's actually what I thought when listening to it. And it turns out that was the whole point. I, yeah. I thought that was really neat. Um, I like the intro. It's what an intro should be. It kind of set up the whole experience ahead. And I didn't really listen to this album with singles in mind, like you guys keep saying Midnight City, I can't actually even think of that song. But I liked the overall feeling and mood and ambiance of the, the experience and the package. And it is, to me, a classic example of, of a whole album, right, that it needs to be listened to in its entirety. Most of the stuff I really liked, whenever I heard Reunion, it reminded me of something Simple Minds would do. I just kept hearing Simple Minds doing that one. Claudia Lewis went a bit far. It seemed like a song from an '80s John Hughes movie. A bit. Another wave from you, kind of really grabbed me, highly emotional, and it seemed like a track at the end of a sci-fi movie, like maybe at the something at the end yes. of Blade Runner. Yeah.
0: Like, I just kept imagining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Blade Runner is a good.
3: That entire aesthetic is, is like encapsulated in this album. So. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I really like ambient music and and pop and rock and to me this brought all those things together really well. You guys mentioned the 80s and I, I feel like a lot of 80s is coming back in fashion. I would be curious if this album was somehow able to gain some traction. I think it could be really hot again yeah and, and now i'm interested in hearing their other stuff particularly digital shades volume one which apparently is just an ambient uh, album and and i really like ambient music so overall yeah i mean there was one or two tracks i maybe didn't like that much but yeah it really evoked like atmosphere and emotions and feelings and yeah i really thought it was a interesting cool album and a need to be exposed to a band i'd never even heard of so good pick mm-hmm. uh there mr gregory how
1: about you thanks yeah i i I really liked it. Before I get deep into it, though, I want to add to Alan's list of saxophone music. Uh, I still believe from the Lost Boys soundtrack is probably tied for for the buffest saxophone player and, and coolest uh, saxophone riff at the same time. Careless Whisper is really good, too. No. I'll, I'll take Col- Coltrane, but uh, if we're sticking <laughs> to pop. I ruined Midnight City. For myself listening to this because I recognized the track, but then when that, that sound was going off, at one point I just went cockadoodle what? And then all I could hear for like the next <laughs> month was cockadoodle what? Cockadoodle what? Yeah, I never thought so now if you hear it again, all you're gonna hear is cockadoodle what But yeah the intro was like five and a half minutes, which is a little bit of a departure from a lot of albums where they just try and tease you in and then get into the main stuff right. He goes hard from the start uh it's the second longest track on the entire album right and Mm -hmm. i i really like splendor uh it's it wasn't as synth heavy uh the piano comes out a lot on it and it does have that soundtrack vibe to it that that i really i really like that running through this as well too right and i thought blade runner on some of those especially like the outro the last track and that especially the second blade runner movie where some of it gets super intense and I think those were the tracks that I that I didn't like as much. On this is, I uh, you know I'll go and read the the Wikipedia and I'll read the first part, but I'll never read the reviews. But when I got down to the critics' receptions, one of them uh, talked about how there's a lot of crescendos all throughout this album, and that was definitely something I already had noted, that it just felt like a lot of these songs were like the last 20, 30 seconds of of other songs where it's just intense crescendo. Only well, he does it for like three, four minutes. I'm like, this is so heavy, right? Like mm-hmm. I felt just, it was hitting me with this energy for so long the some of the slower tracks i i really liked i could listen to more often like weight was really great i really liked that he lets vocals play a more prominent part it was the main instrument in in that song Mm -hmm. uh as you said darren he was really experimenting with his vocals on this one he pulled them forward and and i really like that when he's singing instead of doing like the the shouty just kind of snippets kind of thing i i think he's got a really good voice and he should really bring it out uh a lot more often. Uh the album or the song that Alan mentioned, uh, raconte-moi une histoire, the uh the one with the little girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one. Yeah, they are trying to find the magical frog and get
0: I super know, big. Right? They're
1: going to lick the frog or something. I think that's like that's totally I I love that that's playful terrible. beat. Stone I really kids. love frogs. Steven really liked my, my two year- old son really liked that, that song as well too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he does not know it's about world peace through psychedel- psychedelic frog touching. So But it was a bit of a departure from the songs around it and I liked it. It, it didn't seem out of place so much as a, a shift of direction, right on the album. It still very much had a feel of him in there and, and playful. Overall, I really liked the album. I, I think he had three tracks on there. So, Fountains, When Will You Come Home and Train to Pluton. I really liked those because they were like about a minute and a half each. And he was just experimenting with the sound and getting like a, just like an emotion out. But I could have seen the temptation to make them three or four minutes and keep trying to push through. Uh, but he got in, he got the emotion out and done. Right. And so... I really enjoyed that part as well too it's just he's so masterful there's no excess fat on any of these tracks they just his production value on this album is through the roof i love it so much the last thing i'd like to say is just really uh, about the soundtrack side of things he talks about movies there was on spotify if you're listening to it there uh, if you scroll down, there's actually him commenting on the albums itself, too. And he does mention that that it is heavily influenced by soundtracks and movies. And two of them he called out by name was Days of Heaven by Terrence Malick and uh, Aguirre by Verna Herzog. I've seen Days of Heaven and I can see that connection, but I haven't seen uh, the Herzog movie, which I won't try and pronounce a second time <laughs> so now i'm really tempted to go <laughs> check that out as well too and just try and feel that influence along with all of the like 80s synths that that you had mentioned before as well too so i did really enjoy this album uh it was super intense at points but um i think there's a couple tracks off of here that'll definitely survive into my playlists and i think i'll dust the album off and give it a whole listen uh at least a couple times a year
3: scott Oh, you mentioned uh, the movie Drive. I want to tie up a loose end from my review. Okay. The artist that I name dropped, James White, did a really sick poster of the movie Drive with Ryan Gosling, and mm. he did it in this really cool synthwave style. So it it, it kind of ties back. Huh. <laughs> and that was uh, yeah. You know, guys full like circle. The mainstream. So James White, everyone, check him out. <laughs> cool we should be the
0: sonic connected oh. <laughs> yes
3: all right yeah we can jump into the
0: scores i'll start as i start the review i guess a few more things i just want to add to just before we, i dive into that um you're right i think uh, conceptually uh it was all about a movie soundtrack in this kind of dream state i almost took those interludes like recallment histoire or the train to pluto is like clear moments in the dream like you'd visualize that and then the songs were actually like kind of in between and yeah anyway it was amazing it, concert, i don't think you can think of this as a pop album or even a synth album you think of it as an experience and it's a cool thing to put on and yes you can extract certain songs and play them but yeah amazing a quick shout out because a big influence of the album was Justin meldol Johnson. And he's uh he's kind of a famous bass player. He played with Nine Inch Nails, Beck, and he came in and really helped and was a musician on this. And uh he played the slap at a bass on the Claudia Lewis and stuff, but mm-hmm. I guess added a lot of kind of like those pounding like bass and and drums and some of the, the experience. And I guess a lot of the layers came through him being uh a collaborator with Anthony Gonzalez. So I think. Nice. Definitely got a shout out to that album. Yeah, uh, again, and I just because this is a wrap up to our double albums round. And I want to say that um, this is a really good example because, um, you know, we did Bob Dylan, Blonde on Blonde that, hey, none of you really loved. And it was really just a collection of songs. I, I don't know if there was necessarily a concept there. So it's interesting to finish something like this where it's almost this new era when there really isn't double albums anymore for somebody to do that and put experience together i think uh you know and this group probably really appreciates it and i think maybe listeners should is like don't forget albums were meant to be in an order meant to tell a story meant to say things so uh yeah excellent pick but uh anyway i will jump into my scores and so influence for me i mean this music is newer to me i was like electronic a little bit in hip-hop but i'm going to say three and a half for me just to uh, I, though I think the album's highly influential. Uh, would I recommend it? I, I'm going to give it a four. I mean, I think it's an amazing album. I think if you're into this style and you can appreciate kind of atmospheric, electronic and conceptual albums and it's a little poppy or eighty synth, yes, go for it. Uh, overall, I'm going to come in at a four as well. And uh, yeah, just fantastic pick. Really recommend the band. It's a great album.
3: I'm with you. I think uh, overall I'm going to give it a four and a half. I actually really did enjoy it. For the reason that it took me on a weird Mm -hmm. ride that I did not expect, did not anticipate. I would also recommend it strongly to anyone who is into that whole synthwave, neo-futurism kind of aesthetic. I think sonically this album holds up. So I'm going to recommend that at a four and a half. And uh, it influenced my taste in that I'm going to go and check out what other stuff uh, M83 has recorded. So a solid four and a half. Let's just give it four and a half all around.
2: I'm close to you, or I recommend, I'll give it a four. I think it's, yeah, it just touches on so many interesting categories. The double album, as Darren talked about, it's kind of ambient, it's kind of 80s pop, it's got some rock, it's atmospheric, like, I think it's a really interesting journey. So I'll give it a four influence. I'll give it a three and a half, mainly like you, Alan, I'm going to go back and now listen to a lot of M83s, other music, and maybe try and find some other bands that have kind of ambient atmospheric stuff. And overall, I'll give it a four. Yeah. I thought it was really good. I I, I quite enjoyed it. It was a solid, solid experience. How about you, Mr. Gregory?
1: Yeah. I think you and I are, are very closely aligned in that. Did it, did it really influence me? I mean, I had, uh, you know, a real strong like for 80 synth and pop, and even you know, I stuck with Depeche Mode into the 90s, but I didn't really listen to a lot of synth in the 2000, 2010. So I feel like I got the early influences on this album, but it there was obviously later stuff that was being interwoven in there as well too, and I did I probably missed a lot of that, and it didn't really drag me in to go hunt down those references right so would i recommend it though definitely a four and a half on that i think standing on its own feet this is an amazing album it's well crafted it's you know if you go in and read all the stuff he talks about about how he's building it and each of the two sides have um Uh, sister and brother tracks on the other ones and how they sequence in each other it's it's just a masterpiece uh, of production and creativity so i would definitely give it a four and a half for a recommend and overall i'll split the baby on that and and give it a four on it but i definitely think you know that's a strong that's a four plus what what was your influence number uh three and a half Mostly waited on the '80s side of things, '90s side of things, but it didn't really draw me into to look for anything after basically the mode went to hell. So,
2: yeah, real great way to end these double albums. It's been a, a fun journey of highs and lows, and yeah, to to get exposed to a band I'd never heard of is 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 good on a personal. Note. Mm-hmm. So, what did we decide the next? We're going to do a themed round again, and Darren, you're up. So, what is the theme round we're coming into?
0: Yeah, the theme round, uh, we talked about it kind of before we recorded our uh, last episode, and uh, we decided between the four of us probably – our weakest category or genre across all of us seemingly was country. So we're oh, like, right. well, why not push it? Yeah. So we'd say, well, let's push ourselves a bit. Like, yes, you know, Hey, I respect Johnny cash. And I, th- we, I picked him for one of our live album rounds, but I think that's the only actual country music uh, album we've ever had. And yep. I mean, Johnny cash is just Johnny cash and then there's country, but, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. So we've decided to, to settle on country. And one thing before we move on, I just want to point out two things. Uh, listening to m83 on Seth Rogen's houseplant indica was really nice That's <laughs> great <laughs> cannabis if you're in Canada and you want a good legal recommendation yeah his stuff is good thank you Seth Rogen uh, and also uh, support local music I know uh, hopefully some of our listeners in Calgary but you can buy it anywhere there's a local synth pop uh, uh, band and it's like well one guy that you uh, called deep covers you sure. just released a new band or a new album sorry called dark world um, and if you like kind of 80 synth pop and similar music music to this like check him out yeah so deep covers but yeah so we're into a country music round and uh i'm gonna start the pick i have it i have my pick already i'm not gonna announce it here on this episode so tune in i will there'll be another short uh episode that i will announce our country music round and also announce who i picked
1: So Scott, why don't you uh, take us out and thanks for picking a great album. Sweet. Well, thanks everyone. I was a little nervous going into this one, but uh, I'm really glad that everyone enjoyed it. So once again, that was M83's 2011 album, Hurry Up, We're Dreaming. Uh, Thanks again, all of you, for tuning in. Check us out every month and check us out on thesoniccollective.com for uh, Darren's pick for this new country round. Peace out. Thanks for listening and exploring with us. We'll be back real soon with
0: another pick and critique of albums that matter here at the Sonic Collective.